There are some women in this world that are truly heroes. They are super women. And in my opinion, Brooke Gowdy is one of those women. She's a leader in the world of cycling. And honestly, she does the advocacy work of like 50 people. She does trail advocacy work, public policy as it relates to cycling infrastructure. She works with high school kids and women. And most importantly, as a black woman, she's putting herself out there to be a representative for women of color, to show them that there's a place where they belong in this, unfortunately, very white sport that we're a part of. I felt so very honored to get to sit down with Brooke and interview her because, you know, she's a very busy woman. And I think listening, you'll feel honored as well and hopefully also get inspired to go out and be a leader and maybe do some advocacy work in your community. That interview is coming up right after this intro. You're listening to the Femme Cyclist Podcast, and I'm your host, Kristen Bonkowski. Like most of you, I'm a bicycle-obsessed rider and sometimes racer. Each week, I'll bring you interviews from inspiring women and offer tips and tricks to help you thrive on the bike. At Femme Cyclist, we celebrate all forms of riding and all forms of women. So whether you're a road racer, bike commuter, or hardcore shredder, you'll find your community here. So welcome, Brooke Gowdy. Thank you so much for being here today. And as I like to start all episodes, can you just start out by letting anybody who's not familiar with you, who you are and what you're up to? Um, Well, yeah, you heard it. Um, You heard Kristen say it. My name is Brooke Gowdy and um, I like riding bikes. I really love riding bikes. Um, But even more than that, I get a great a sense of joy from introducing that same joy to uh, women that look like me. And since Kristen told me, you can't see me, <laughs> oh, you know that, you know, identify as a woman and, and I am black. Um, and so I just do a whole bunch of programming clinics, advocacy work around being able to um, break down barriers so that folks can get on bikes and have experiences and adventures on bikes um, that are comfortable for them. And why did you decide that advocacy and leadership was a role that you wanted to take on? I mean, obviously, that's a huge amount of work. Um, Why did you decide to take that on rather than just continuing to live your life um, in the shadows, perhaps? Yeah, that's a great question that no one's ever asked me before. And I have rarely reflected on why did I decide to do it? So much is given, much is expected. I've been given many opportunities uh, from um, my family, from my friends and support network to the sponsors who support me and allow me to use their platform. And it seems to me that when we, I see um, these barriers, these things that um, stop um, and hinder folks of color from getting outside as uh, injustice. And so whenever we're confronted with an injustice, I think we all should um, take the opportunity to uh, right wrongs. And so, it's never really been, oh, you have selected yourself. It's like, 
we all have selected ourselves to uh, fight bad with good. And um, it could have, I could have been a biker. I could have been a runner. I could have done many, many things. I decided that I like riding bikes. And so that is where I um, fight the injustices of the world. And I, and I want to make that very clear. Like I'm, I'm biking, (laughs) Um, but this is much larger than biking, what I'm doing. It it is just the vehicle um, through which I am advocating for people. I'm advocating for women. I'm advocating for black women. I'm advocating for women of color. I'm advocating for young folks. This is that vehicle. Yeah. I love that you said that, that it's just, it's just biking, which sometimes does seem um, somewhat frivolous or whatever, but it's really so much more than that. And I liked that in your film, A Space for All, you talked about it also being a really great avenue for healing. Uh, What do you think it is about biking that makes it um, therapeutic? There are a few things. Um, I'll talk about one. One is the places that bikes can take you. They can take you from a, a place, and this is literally and figuratively, that is not a good place for you to be in and show you, literally transport you to a place that is safer and more comfortable for you. Um, um, There are some people who have used biking, have done a really good job at it. And it has helped them to be able to explore the world and travel and have experiences that they perhaps never thought was possible. Mm -hmm. That is, that is healing to be able to get out of something that you don't want to be in and to have a bicycle, be able to be the vehicle to do that. Yes. Also along with the places that it can take you, it is the, the, how you decide to ride your bike. And for me, I decided to ride my bike. And I will admit that I am, um, that these rides are a bit insane, <laughs> but I want to ride my bike where I can feel every part of me um, and every emotion of me. Mm. And uh, so I can commit to riding 2,700 miles all at one time. Um, I can commit to riding 600 miles and climbing thousands and thousands and thousands of feet. And in that commitment, I get to hear and feel so much of myself. And those conversations that happen with me, just with me, Mm. those are some of the most powerful conversations Uh, that I've had in my entire life, the conversations that I have to have with myself. And so many things come up. And when I talk about uh, the trauma experience in a space for all, those quiet, remote spaces where the body struggles, where the mind struggles, the spirit struggles too. And that, and that bubbles and surfaces to the top, that trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you're out there and you're having these conversations and you are sometimes being kind to yourself and sometimes not so much. And that is that struggle uh, that is a part of the healing process, that awareness. And it is a really beautiful thing for me. Um, And I oftentimes get off of my bike, especially with long adventures, and continue to work with the things, those conversations, those things that happen on the trail to work with them off the trail as well. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Aside from the therapeutic benefits of biking, what else about it um, makes it feel so important to you to get more BIPOC riders um, on bikes? What other benefits has biking brought to your life or to the lives of others that you've seen that make this like really important work for you? It's introduced me to the outdoors. And there is something about the outdoors and Kristen, I think you have experienced it. That is, it's almost like we're in a cult because we yeah. can't explain it. We use words like it's magical. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's something I can't live without. And I think people who don't go out in the outdoors are like, okay, whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> you go for your hike. I'm fine in here watching television. <laughs> um, but we experience something that is really powerful out there. And I wish that I could articulate it. And I uh, sometimes you read it and you're like, yes, that's it. That's it. That's that thing. <laughs> you recognize it. Mm-hmm. When someone tells you about an adventure that they've had in the outdoors, you connect with it because you know that feeling. And um, so bikes, I, I think there have been gates put up uh, because we feel like there's only so much of that. There's mm-hmm. only, and, and only certain people should have the right to be able to experience and enjoy that mm-hmm. thing, that thing that I know, that thing that you know, right? Yes. <laughs> and there's some people who don't know that thing. Right. And I think it's really important for me to, to be able to like burst open those doors, cut down those bridges, do whatever I can so that folks, all folks, can have those experiences. And the way I know how to do it now is teaching someone how to get on a bike or teaching someone how to crush a mountain or like this is an opportunity. Again, it's like, it could have been hiking. It could have been running. I'm sorry, I keep saying this, Kristen, but for me, it's the bike. I love the bike. And it is so that you can have that uh, that thing, that that outdoor thing that um, rejuvenates us, uh, that really speaks to our soul, and also I think for Black folks, really grounded ground us back into ourselves. We we have um, my ancestry is an ancestry of people who love the outside mm-hmm. and who love the ground and mm-hmm. who love the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get, not to sound too hokey, but I get feelings of that mm-hmm. um, when I'm in the outdoors of just a recognition of the great 
ancestry that I came from, the great line of people that I came from, and the experience to be able to uh, share that with others. That's wonderful. Uh, How did you, since you didn't have the same kind of representation that you're offering right now, how did you get into biking? The complete opposite, a middle-aged white guy I was in love with. (laughs) (laughs) He was so cute. He probably is still cute. We're not together anymore, but um, I, I don't know if you know Colorado, but people they like to bike they like to bike there's there's that that's their thing they like to ski they ski uh and maybe i'll mix in some like micro brews or something like the stereotypes there's (laughs) a lot of them yes (laughs) or at least all the guys i dated so i knew that if i was gonna hang out with this guy i was gonna have to learn how to ride bikes and uh and so that's what i did is i got into mountain biking i mean uh, the, there was representation for me, kids rode bikes, black kids wore bikes, brown kids rode bikes, white kids rode bikes. We rode bikes. That's that's what we did. Uh, this lack of representation happens, um, when we're talking about what type of adventure folks are having on bikes. And so mountain biking was an area where I just didn't see any representation and just was a great spark for me like to ask myself many questions that then I began um, after a couple of beers asking other people out loud, <laughs> like, why, what is going on here? Like, why does this community exist and look like this? Why does this bike park look like this? Uh, it seems a little bit ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, and then that, you know, caused a lot of eternal questions that, that have led me to this point, who I am now. You mentioned, I love that you said that, like all kids ride bikes. That's a universal, (laughs) generally a universal child experience. And it's really in sports like mountain biking where we don't see that happening. And I've seen in the last few years, so much come out for girls. Um, We've got grit and we've got little Bellas and just endless other programs for girls. But how do you feel like those programs are doing at reaching girls of color? Wow. I think it's like, sparked another something inside of me. I I don't work. Most of my work is not with little Bellas or those uh, age, that age community. And so I, I have tackled representation in this way. If you watch space for all is that I'm an adult woman and here I am being myself which is not typical mountain biker, not the typical gravel cyclist. And, and when I say not typical, there's so much about me that is like, when I get on a bike, I don't look, I look like the black women heroes that have inspired me on a mm-hmm. bike. <laughs> um, and so I hope that other young black girls or perhaps boys, or are people, individuals look at me and say, oh yeah, she's doing it. <laughs> I see someone doing it and feel inspired that they might try it and that she's doing it in the way that she likes to do it. 
and not necessarily the way they are all doing it. And so perhaps I can try and I can bring my own flavor and I can bring my own way of cycling into this sport. And so I haven't really thought about this idea of getting young people on bikes. It's always for me has been representation. And now I like feel a little bit of fire (laughs) around like, yeah, where's the little Bella uh, programs um, in certain communities that really are interested, that might be interested in that. Like, how do we offer this? Um, you know, I, I, the youngest group I work with is like junior seniors in high school because I coach a mountain biking team. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is not very diverse at all. <laughs> and the idea again, there is, to be representation we're hoping mm-hmm. that the area i'm in um or the high school itself i i'd have to say that the the majority of the folks are white mm-hmm. um but coaching there is a representation for the kids of color who do want to come out and so they don't just don't see all white faces yeah and be like that's not a place for me and uh, the representation happens for, of course, I mean, I say this over and over again, representation matters for folks that look like you, but also for folks that don't. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, you know, I coach 10 white high school, um, awesome men, gentlemen, kind and they see me coaching, they see me leading, they see me um, calling the shots, they see me shredding. And for that, and for them, that's normal. Uh, they see a woman doing that. Yeah, that's normal. Yeah, they grow up, they go to a job, like, it's normal. It, it, it is normal for them to have a, a female boss to yes. take directions from a female. All of these norms are happening for them that I think we have had a lack of um, in raising <laughs> uh, kids. And so I, it really excites me that I get to be able to support youth in that way. And I'm really excited about really looking into opportunities to put more kids on bikes, just as many kids as I do adults. And so I'll really think about that. Well, I didn't mean to give you more because I know you already have a lot on right? your plate. Yeah. I think people are listening and probably being like, what? <laughs> There's uh, no way. <laughs> um, so, so can you talk a little bit about that? What are the many organizations that you're currently involved in and what programs are you working on? I put them in um, categories. <laughs> so... Mountain biking is really important to me. It's where I started. It's my first love. And so I am, it's really important for me to put on clinics and to uh, teach folks about riding bikes and um, give them permission to enjoy it whichever way they want to, whether that's like on a flat trail and easy forever for 10 years or whether they want to progress. And so I spent a lot of time just doing those. 
teaching or finding opportunities for these things to happen, group rides. Uh, Another thing that's important to me is trail advocacy work. So through BMA, Boulder Mountain Biking Alliance, and also I work with Combus Women's Program. Through those programs, I'm able to advocate for trails because we need more trails and we need trails to be built in a way that can sustain more people being on the trail. One thing that I hate hearing is there's just not enough room, Mm. not enough room. So once again, we're going to exclude some people. (laughs) I happen to feel like I know what what those people are, who those people are. Um, So instead of, um, you know, so instead of us advocating for like, how can we build sustainable trails? How can we build trails uh, that um, can support a larger population? Or what can we do? How can we solve the problem? Where there are a lot of gatekeepers who are just like, well, the answer is like, everybody just can't be on the trail. Like, Mm -hmm. we've been here. Yeah, (laughs) we're good at it. We're really good at it. So we get to stay here, but all of y'all can't be on these trails. And so it's really important for me to sit at that table because I'm so tired of that. I'm so tired of that. (laughs) That's that's actually what you just said. I haven't even thought about this. That's mind blowing to me. It's so true. And it's also one of those huge arguments I hear against e-bikes, right? Like can't have e-bikes on the trails. It's just crowded. There are too many people. Well, let's just build more trails. Let's create more space for everybody. <laughs> like, let's get creative. Yeah. It's not yeah. Like, that, that is not the answer. Yes. And so, uh, with those two, so trail advocacy, trail advocacy, advocacy, um, organizations, I'm a part of both of them in Denver and Boulder area. And I, and that's really important to me. Um, that's huge. So, yeah. So trail advocacy, getting people on bikes, Um, I'm also a high school uh, mountain biking coach. I also work for an organization or not work, serve and support an organization called Black Girls Do Bike Denver. And um, I recently started my own gig. It's called Rowdy Gowdy. Mm -hmm. And Rowdy Gowdy is just an opportunity for me to put my hands in lots of different projects. And um, one more group that I work with is Vita Mountain Biking Series. I love them. They're great. Um, I do a lot of their community organization um, planning. And then a thing that I just recently got into that's really, really important to me is policy. Mm. So policy around biking. Uh, I've been to lots of meetings where I've had to say, oh, okay, so what, where's the equity aspect in this? And people are like, oh, well, it's just not something we thought about or we don't really have an answer to that. So to be able to sit at tables and really, sometimes I don't know, you know, I am not a DEI consultant. I didn't, there are people who go to college and <laughs> learn a lot of things and how to talk to people and all of those things. And that's not what I am, mm-hmm. but I am a black woman. I think who I know deserves a table, mm-hmm. deserves a seat at the table when policy is being discussed. Mm. And again, doing that through the biking lens has taught me so much and got me really, really excited. I mean, I just recently got to testify uh, for a law 
the uh, the Iowa stop law, mm. the Idaho stop. Idaho, law. yeah. Idaho stop. I'm in Idaho, so I'm a big proponent yeah. of the Idaho stop. <laughs> so I testified on the equity lens of that. I testified about what what it's like to have to decide between your safety, right? Get out in front of traffic. Uh, to, I mean, we're, we're all doing the Idaho stop anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like have this minor violation and confrontation with police. Mm-hmm. And this is a fact. Riders of color, so bicycle riders of color are stopped more often than white riders. Mm. Why do we, and, and I, and I just kind of talked to testified about like, why do we have these little laws that, that add to uh, these confrontations that are unnecessary? Mm-hmm. And I think those are things so when people get to a table and they're talking about all of these little laws and they're talking about all of these things. That's the thing that's missing when you don't have a person of color at the table. Right. That like, here's another part of it that you don't even get to see. Mm-hmm. So policy is important to me too. <laughs> what other policy issues are important? For me is making sure we're doing what a community wants, that we're putting in infrastructure that is important to that community. And so, and that we are taking in consideration their thoughts. I think in Denver, they're well-meaning people who want to put bike lanes and everything everywhere so that they can get from one side of town to the other side of town. And uh, some communities don't even have sidewalks or yeah. lighting. Right. Um, so just really being like, let's, can we talk to the community? Can we build relationships with the community before we just go in and demand that like a bike lane has to be right there? Mm. Um, this is their community. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think what is important for me in policy is that I'm sitting at the table, building relationships and making that, making sure that the people at the table are willing to m- build relationships that they haven't thought about before. Because I believe that policy can change or their ideas of what is top priority can change when they talk to the people that they're supposed to be serving. And it's very interesting when you're saying you're serving a community <laughs> by doing what you think is best for that community. <laughs> I, it, it, it is not the best way to serve a community. Yeah. Yeah. Got to listen first. <laughs> you got to listen. And so I'm really excited in this policy work around cycling, it, listening to the community and mm. listening to the communities um, in Denver and the surrounding area of, about what it is that they see is important work for us to be focusing on when it comes to cycling. Yeah. And uh, taking that back to our mayor. Okay. Yeah, I serve on a committee called MBAC. It's a mayor advisory uh, um, board. And so we've got the unique opportunity of when we do have something that we want or we're advocating for, the mayor has to respond to us. And so um, being able to take different um, important issues to the mayor is is great opportunity. How does Denver compare to other 
big cities and are there any other big cities that you've looked at that are doing a really good job? Denver. <laughs> I hate to say this, but I'm going to be honest, Kristen. Okay. <laughs> okay. Ready? Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> People often ask me about the great divide mile biking route. And that route is 2,700 miles, um, 2000 vertical feet from one end of the United States to the other. end. um, officially it starts in Canada, but I went from one end to the other end. And among that, it is very remote. You go over mountains, you, uh, you're constantly thinking about grizzlies and other animals that could possibly harm you. You're afraid that your food, you might not have enough food. And there were times I didn't have enough food and I didn't have enough water. And it is a tough ride, very tough. And I still will tell you that the scariest bike riding I do is on the streets of Denver. Yeah. <laughs> It, it is so much more scarier than the Great Divide. The this place is just not built for alternative modes of transportation. Mm. Uh, these folks aren't built for alternative modes <laughs> of transportation. There is a car culture here that is just extreme. That I am, I I we like our bikes, but it's like, we like to put our bikes in a car. Isn't that crazy? To a trail. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I, there's a lot of work to be done and there's a lot, we have to create culture shifts. We have to create culture shifts that don't. Um, and this is a reason I'm glad I'm sitting at the table. We have to create culture shifts that do not punish um, just a certain type of people as well, though. There are a lot of people in Denver who do have to drive in, and that's their only way of getting here um, to serve folks in Denver. And so I just want to make sure that, like, when we are creating a culture around alternative forms of transportation, and that we are acknowledging, um, like, not everyone lives in this city and not everyone has a bike. And what are we doing about that? So we want to make culture shifts. How do we also support all of our communities? Yes. Switching gears a little bit away from communities to the bike industry. You have quite a lot of sponsors. You're quite involved in the bike industry. How is the bike industry doing? I mean, it seems like we've had a little bit of improvement in the last few years in terms of being inclusive to BIPOC, BIPOC folks, but what I guess, what brands or what companies do you see currently doing a good job and where are, are is the industry failing in your opinion? I'm going to stay away with um, brands that are doing a good job. Um, yeah. I don't know every brand out there and what they're doing. Fair enough. Um, I will explain it to you in a story that I tell. Um, back to the Great Divide. I was on the Great Divide and um, I had hit the midway point. I was in Colorado, maybe Salida. Maybe that's that was the midway point for me. And um, I had passed lots of bikers. I was ex- excited. I kind of passed a lot of female bikers too. I was really excited about that more than normal. I mean, of course they were all, to me, looked to be white males. And um and I was on the struggle bus. I had just left home. I mean, being in Colorado, being in Silverthorne, being with my 
friend, um, having that time was really supposed to boost me up so that I could do the second half. But like, as I was realizing that I was going to be leaving Colorado and I had many more miles to go, I just felt a little beaten down. And I walk into this bike shop, WTB, one of the, the my many supporters had left some tires there for me. Um, my tires had balled out and um, I see Velo News, I think it was called Velo News. Mm-hmm. So this major cycling magazine. Right. And on the very cover of it is this black woman, <laughs> a black bike packer. I'd like never seen anything like that before. Was this Brooklyn Bell? This was, no, it was Devin Cohen. Okay. Devin Cohen was on the cover of Velo. Yeah. And I was, I don't, I started crying. (laughs) It had meant so much to me Mm -hmm. to see another black woman out there bikepacking, just like me. Like I'm not the only one. Like, yeah, I'd seen some other black bikepackers too. And there were bikepackers of color cheering me on and sending me messages. And um, and a place where you think you would feel so alone because there's nobody that looks like you. I felt so not alone. Mm. And um, I took a picture of that magazine cover and um that night when I got back to my tent I just shed some tears and <laughs> and thought about how I was supposed to be out there how um you know how exciting it was that the industry had given me that that little piece of representation that really carried me through that really had my helped my heart grow um so that I could finish the rest of the trip. And mm. I, I still have that picture on my phone. And I um, brought that picture out several times while I was on the Great Divide mm. and um, really thought about like how, how far we've come and how far we've still got to go. Yeah. Yeah. Who are, some, who are some women that you look up to? Who are the Black women out there that inspire you? Hmm. Well, I have to say Devin Cohen was one of those ones. Um, When I got back, I am working on a project with her to take a group of folks bikepacking. And I finally got to meet her. (laughs) And for me, she's a superstar. So that was amazing. And, um, you know, Aisha McGowan, I mean, Mm -hmm. everybody's, I mean, come on. (laughs) Is that just, is that just little black girls looking up to her? Like, girls in general, women in general are looking up to that woman. She's just doing amazing things. And um, there is someone I haven't met yet. She's so special to my heart. So I hope I get to meet her soon. But Sam, um, Sam attempted the Great Divide on a single speed. She's also running her own bike company now where she's building bikes herself. And they're just so, there's so many women of color out there riding bikes and doing it in their own way mm-hmm. and um, unapologetically being themselves. 
And so I really just feel inspired by all of them. Like I feel so comfortable. I can get on my bike and feel comfortable because I see those women doing it. It it's great. Yeah, it is. It's so motivating when you have other women to, to look up to and not just always, I mean, for me as a white woman, when I have always had white males to Mm -hmm. look up to. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that the more that I saw other women, the more motivated I was to ride. So I can only, um, imagine what it must be like to see other black women, other women like yourself doing the things that you want to do and how motivating and inspiring that can be. And it totally is a, it's a game changer. Yeah. I tell the story about, uh, Oh, well, my hero is a woman named Flojo. Okay. I don't know if you know Flojo. I do, yeah, 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 with the nails, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, when I was a kid, I would watch Flojo. Flojo would come out, and she had on the most amazing outfit. I mean, there were just so many of them, and they were amazing. And she had her nails done, and she her her hair was on point, her makeup was on point. And she was representation for me. I became a, I saw her and that's all I wanted to be. I wanted to be a track star. And I joined my middle school track team. I also joined um, after high school, when I went to high school, ran track. And that part of her that like inspired me to do that. It's the same part of me that exists when I'm on my bike. Uh, people always say, we don't get what's up with that lipstick <laughs> or what up with that outfit. <laughs> and I am always so excited to just be like, this is the way I've learned to show up. This is the way my hero showed up. Mm-hmm. This is the way that I feel most comfortable showing up is being myself mm. and myself is wearing bright red lipstick, picking out the funkiest outfit, having my nails done. <laughs> like that's the way I show up at the start line. Yeah. And, um, and that looks a lot different than some of the other female cyclists. I'm, not to say there's anything wrong with the way they're showing up. Um, but it's really important for us to know that we don't have to fit a mold and yeah. get to be whoever we want to be. Yeah. You get to self. show up as yourself. You get to show up as yourself. Yeah. And Flo shows definitely did. <laughs> and she inspired me and, and, and it's some, her spirit, that, that part of her, I, I hold in my heart to this day and always will. I love that. That's wonderful. Um, this year on a more personal level, what do you have going on? What are your big goals for 2022? Um, well, I'm doing the rush for way, um, challenge where I'm going to Iceland. I'll be riding 600 miles. I've got four days to do it. Um, so we'll be climbing anywhere from seven to 12,000 feet a day and covering well over 120 miles a day. Um, that's going to be my hardest. That's huge. Hardest. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, huge. Yeah. Big challenge. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited about it. It's happening at end of June. Okay. So everybody cheer me on. Yes, we um, will. Also, I am throwing the biggest, baddest, uh, trail advocacy party, uh, that I could <laughs> get together. So, um, myself and another organization called Elevated Alpine, we are throwing a dig day 
um, but a dictate retreat where you ride trails, you learn what makes a good, what makes a trail good, what makes a trail so-so, um, how do you dig a trail, how do you use all these tools? It's been run by women for women. And it's going to help us dive into those discussions that I was talking to you about earlier, Kristen, that like these don't magic, these trails don't magically get here. How can we advocate for them? And I think the best way is to like have people get really dirty and, and find a value in trail building. And so that's what I'm trying to support this year by having this big party. And, um, I'm putting on more, same old, same old, putting on more clinics. I, um, my, my good friend, Annika, um, is, um, had a horrible accident Mm -hmm. and, um, she cannot ride an able-bodied bike. And so, um, she's riding an adaptive bike. And Mm -hmm. so for me, you know, when we talk about gatekeeping and all of those things, it's, I haven't thought about that whole realm of <laughs> folks with disabilities. And so it's going to be really, really great to join with her and um, put on some group rides and really learn from her and see how I can support her mission this year as she moves forward. And so you'll see a little bit of me um, in that arena as well. And um, yeah. And riding bikes, having fun, drinking beer, eating ice cream. Yeah. You're going to be busy. <laughs> um, busy. I've got three final questions for you. Okay. But before we do that, uh, where can folks connect with you? Um, I think a really great place is to, I talked about Rowdy Gowdy. Super easy. Go to rowdygowdy.com. And there I put up events that I'm involved in or events that I recommend for others. You'll see content and videos, things that I'm just doing out, out in the world. Also, another area is to go to Instagram. Um, I always am posting articles, podcasts, whatever it is uh, that I think is important for folks to hear and uplifting more cyclists, female cyclists cyclists of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can go there. Wonderful. Thank you. And we'll include those links in the show notes for anyone who's interested as well. Um, yeah. Brooke, I just want to say before those final three questions, want to say thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being such an inspirational role model for all of us. And um, I just think you're absolutely fabulous. I think you're doing the work of like 50 women. And I don't know how you have so much energy for life, but um, really appreciate all you're doing and um, be following along with you and cheering you along and um, listening to all the great work you're doing. Thank you. Yes. Um, so first question is what bike or bikes do you ride? I ride a salsa cutthroat as my touring bike and I ride Yeti. I ride a hardtail and that's the arc and also a dual suspension bike, which is the Yeti SB140. Awesome. Uh, second is what is your favorite place you've ever ridden your bike? Ooh. <laughs> uh, oh man, this is going to be so lame. I'm so sorry. People, 
<laughs> people, people who know this know it's going to be lame, but um, one of my favorite places is Green Mountain. Uh, it's right outside of Denver. It's easy to get to. And it's the mountain that I learned to ride my mountain bike on. And so now I take a rigid, uh, no suspension or anything, and just go up there for fun. So it's just so much fun to see how I've progressed from someone who barely know how to knew how to ride it on a mountain bike to someone who just loves to kill it on a rigid going down there. That's not lame at all. That's badass. <laughs> <laughs> um, final question is what is your favorite thing about riding a bike? It's the joy it brings me. It takes me. I don't know. I just I've never been sad on a bike. And when I am sad, you know, I just, it, it is though, I don't know. I've never been sad. <laughs> I've been uncomfortable. I've been in pain. I've cried on a bike. But sad, sadness, the way we know sadness, like, I've just never been sad on a bike before. Thank you so much, Brooke. This was a beautiful, beautiful interview. I really appreciate you and your time yeah. today. Yeah. Thank you. Can I say thank you to some folks? Yes, please do. Yeah. I just want to say thank you to people who've given me opportunities and who have lifted up um, my voice and what I'm doing. And um, I want to start with Rome Fest, Rome mm-hmm. Ash has done a great job of putting Rome Fest together. And she's actually taking me back home to put on a clinic for um, women of color there. So I'm going to be doing that in May. And, and that just makes my heart sing so much. And also Jess at Joji Bar and Salt Slick. She's uh, one of my largest financial supporters. And so um, I just wanted to thank her and Yeti and Pearl Azumi, Daughter, Shammy Butter. I love those folks at Shammy Butter, WTB. Um, all of those folks have really helped me get to um, be able to do this. What I really took away from that conversation was just the importance of being involved and most likely the rest of us are not super women like Brooke is but we can do something we can volunteer in some way we can speak up in some way we can stand up as a representative in some way and I would highly encourage you to figure out what that can be for you it might be coaching on the Nika team it might be um, getting involved in whatever kind of um, advocacy, bike advocacy organization is in your towns and getting better bike infrastructure. If we could each just do one-tenth of what Brooke is doing, I think that the whole sport and the whole our society would be better off for it. Hope you enjoyed this interview. If you liked it, please go on out to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and leave us a review so we can reach more women, we can grow the podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. Until next week, I hope you get in a ride. Talk to you then.